Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. The last couple of weeks we've been spending a bit of time around this idea that God wants our faith to grow. That every one of us, we have received a, a portion of faith. We saw that passage in, um, in Luke chapter 17, where the apostles, they came to the Lord, they came to Jesus, and you can sort of read it up there if your eyes are good. And they said, show us how to increase our faith. Show us how to increase our faith. And the idea behind this is that we need God to increase our faith, but there is an action from outside as well that may be part of increasing our faith. They're not only praying in a corner and saying, Jesus, come and do some miraculous work and increase my faith, but God, show me how I can, show us what we must do to increase our faith. We saw in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, I love this passage, and I, I've been praying this over our church, and I hope that this would be true always over our church, that we ought always, this is Paul writing to this church in Thessalonica, and he says to them, we ought always to give God, to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly. Because your faith is growing. And so our heart, our dream has been this year, as these last few weeks, as we've been speaking, that our faith may grow abundantly. That God would come and some of the translations say, our, our faith is flourishing. And we have been taking sort of a, a bit of time just finding out what are some of the things that would cause our faith to grow. I use the example of saying that very rarely in life does anything good grow by accident. Spend some time in the weekend just in the garden again, taking out everything that's growing by accident. Because the crazy stuff is the thing is that the stuff that grows by accident in my garden is the stuff I don't want there. The stuff I do want there that I'm trying to get growing is taking hard work and fertilizer and it's not growing the way it should. And the stuff that I don't want there, that just grows by itself. And isn't that a little bit of a picture of our lives as well? That the stuff that we don't want, it grows easily. Some of the stuff that we want because we are in fertile soil, if we're feeding it well, it would grow nicely and it would flower and flourish. But there are things that we would like to establish in our lives that are going to take a little bit of work. We're going to have to be deliberate about our growth. We're speaking here about growth in faith in a, another passage, which is sort of a parallel concept. Paul writes and he speaks about growing in godliness. And there he says that we must exercise ourselves toward godliness. And obviously godliness speaks about character. Godliness speaks about specific actions etc. But the same idea is there. We need to exercise ourselves, And so we're hoping, I'm hoping that we in the last few weeks have been exercising our faith. That we have been praying, Jesus, show me how to increase my faith. And so the last two weeks, we touched on, on six sort of key points, six things that we've identified as people who spend time investing into people's lives Six things that we've identified that help grow faith. And I shared this with us sort of from two coins on, the, on two sides of the same coin. On the one hand, we're listening, God, how can I increase my faith? God, how can I grow in faith? The flip side is, God, those people in whose lives I'm investing, I'm walking a road with, I want to see them grow in their faith. What are some of the things that I can encourage them to do that will help them to grow their faith? Sort of we're listening on, on both of those sides of the coin at the same time. The first one was practical teaching. We spoke about that, sitting here like we are now. Faith, we know, comes by hearing, and hearing comes from the Word of God. That We need to be taught the Word. I'm just very quickly recapping these. I'm not going to go into too much detail. We spoke about the importance of our private disciplines, that we grow in faith when we are disciplined in our, as Anton even shared, our commitment towards Christ. Commitments like prayer and fasting, giving, spending time in Bible study and the various types of Bible study, in private worship, when we engage in those, 
our faith grows. We spoke about personal ministry when we engage in personal ministry, ministering to others, of giving of ourselves so that others may benefit. Our faith grows. Joining one of the teams that are going to be going out to the children's homes, our faith will grow when we engage with that, when we pray that God may work in children's life and we see God answering those prayers, our faith grows. Just sort of a, an important point to throw in here is so many of us, so often we hear people say, I'm not ready to go yet. I'm not ready to serve yet. I'm not ready to give yet. And the understanding that's pinned on is we think that ministry flows out of maturity. As we study scripture, as we look at people who have engaged in the spirit, we see how God uses people's lives. We realize that maturity is the result of ministry. That when we engage in ministry, maturity flows. We don't wait until we mature and then we minister. Leadership is a different question. We're not speaking about leadership positions as such now. We're just speaking about ministry, serving other people. And if you're sitting here thinking, I am not ready to serve yet. I'm not ready to minister. I'm not ready to be used by God. Then you are in fantastic company because the whole of the Bible is full of stories of people who felt they weren't ready to be used by God. And he used them anyway. And so let's engage with that. And you're going to grow when you engage in personal ministry. Then we spoke about the relationships, providential relationships, the people that God sends into our lives. And we spoke a little bit about the fact that we need to be deliberate about the relationships we pursue. Yes, God sovereignly provides and he sends people to us who can speak into our life, who can just be the right person at the right time. But even when God sends the right person at the right time, we still need to press into those relationships. That all relationships take work. Relationships are a function of time. And if we're not willing to invest into those relationships, and sometimes we see that even with mature believers who perhaps come from a different city, a different um, church in a different town, and they move here, and they've perhaps been in that previous church for seven or eight years, perhaps grew up there spiritually, have been in small group with the same set of people for long periods of time, and have I must say they've eaten up a lot of salt together. In Afrikaans, we have a saying, they've walked through some things together. They've fashioned relationship over time. And then we move into a, a new community and we expect our relationships are just going to pick up where we left off our previous relationships. And we miss the fact that we need to reinvest into relationships. Seven years of relational growth that we had with those other individuals. You can't just replace it overnight with new people. That's why moving is hard work. It's beautiful and precious definitely when God sends us, but we have to understand that as we go, we have to reinvest and rebuild relationships. It's going to take time to nurture and to grow those relationships. And Timothy, I love this passage, Timothy 2 verse 20, 2 Timothy 2 verse 22, all of the twos there. We must flee youthful passions, and to our young people, often we speak about that. But the second part of this is at least as important as the first. But pursue righteousness, faith. We're talking about faith today. Love and peace. How should we pursue those? Along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. We're going to grow when we engage in community, when we press into relationships. The fifth one we looked at was our circumstances, life events, we saw in the book of Ecclesiastes that all things come alike to all. Life happens to all of us. Don't know if you've noticed this, but Christians crash their cars too. Christians have bad luck, if that's the right terminology to use, sometimes as well. Yes, there is favor. Yes, God breathes on us. But stuff happens to the good and to the bad. And when we have these circumstances that happen, these incredibly pivotal, these life-changing moments, we can't script them, we can't plan them, but we can plan for them. And how do we plan for them? We plan for them by making sure we have the right people around us to carry us through those times. And we plan for them by 
growing and establishing a biblical worldview. Growing a worldview where we see, I love the song we sang, the goodness of God. I love how Luann comes up and she shares how she went through a rough period in her life many years ago. And now she can look back and she can see the goodness of God carry her through the trial, through the trouble. How God comes and he renews and gives her, in a sense, a, a new life. How he breathes his goodness. And, you know, we can be in a situation where life change happens, whether good or bad. And if we're surrounded by the wrong people or we have the wrong view of God, that circumstance can take us off on a tangent. That exact same circumstance, if we are surrounded by the right people, or we have a right view of God, can press us closer to Christ and can cause us to seem even more established in his kingdom. And then we spoke about God moments. Those moments where God is just there sovereignly and he speaks to us. We hear God talking. We experience God. We saw Jacob and his letter. And I love this passage. This is the last couple of verses there. Did I leave it up there? Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place. Surely the Lord is in this place. I didn't even know it. And he was afraid and he said, How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. And those moments where we know that surely the Lord is in this place. Sometimes that's in a quiet time. Sometimes that's locked in our prayer closet where we're praying. Sometimes it's in a brick group. Sometimes it's just going on and just ordinary event in life. And God is just there. And God speaks to us and we can never be the same again. We can't script them. We can't plan for them. But as long as we're aware, we seize those moments. You see, Jacob could have had this moment and he could have, oh, that was a pretty cool dream. You know, my God might be here and his life could have carried on as normal. But he chose right there to build a monument around it, to slow down, to stop. To say, God is here and I'm not just going to run away from a moment that I've had with God. I'm going to slow down around this moment. I'm going to allow this moment to change and to transform me. For us, I think in the charismatic church, this for me is, and I include myself, one of our biggest sins. Is we come into a moment, we hear God speaking to us. We know God is in a place and then we just run from there. And tomorrow comes and we've forgotten that yesterday we had an encounter with a living God, and we don't allow that moment to transform us, to shape us. We don't, if we need to journal around it, write it down, build some form of monument to remind us of the goodness of God. And so those are sort of six areas in, in which we, if we engage in those, we will grow as a church. We try and facilitate as many of them as we possibly can. We work hard because we are serious about your spiritual formation. And so we think about what can we do that will help people grow. Just yesterday, we had our, our encounter seminar. It was just so great seeing people engage with God, engage with community again. I know that lives changed yesterday, and that's why we invest into those. That's why I always love seeing the facilitators who've clicked onto this. I'm going to be there because I know people's lives are going to change, and I get to be a part of it. We engage in personal ministry, and as we do that, not only do the people we minister to grow, we grow. And so we spoke about those six points. What I want us to look at today a little bit is how do I measure growth? How do I know I'm actually growing? It's great to have all of these things. It's great to pray, Jesus, show me how to increase my faith. But how do I know my faith is growing? Because it's a little bit, for those of us who have children, how do I know my child is growing? How do I know? Maybe if I stop and I only visit every six months or every year, then it's obvious my child is growing. But if I live with my child every day, how do I know my child is actually growing? We don't see, I don't know, if, I've never seen my child grow except my daughter's hair this morning, which seemed to grow a little bit taller than it had been in the past. But because every day, and then kind of you realize, whoa, these Clothes are really too small for you or these shoes were way too big for you and now they fit you and kind of those anecdotal things, but we don't see that our kids are growing. 
Do we? In the same way, obviously these roses are dead, but these flowers, or these flowers are dead, they've been cut. We don't see plants growing. I don't know if anybody has ever, I did this actually at one stage, a previous house. We pulled out, Christoph still helped me, was an absolute Trojan with a jackhammer and pulled out a whole bunch of paving and we planted new grass from seed. And I remember sitting there literally watching the grass grow. Every morning waking up, is this grass growing? But it grows so slowly that, you know, you wonder, is it actually growing? Plants grow slowly. Trees grow slowly. Our faith, it grows slowly, but it grows consistently. So what are some of the, the measuring points we can take along the way to see, are we actually growing? And the first one ties in so beautifully to Um Anton's first point that he shared, or his point that he shared with us. Are we growing in our personal devotion, our desire for him? We said that we want to go into, I want to go into 2022 with more faith than I went into 2021. I really do. I don't want to tackle 2022 and 2022's problems with 2021's faith. I want to go into 2022 with faith that has abundantly grown in November and December of 2021 and hopefully earlier as well. What is the first way we can know if we are growing in faith? Well, are we, are we growing in, maybe another word we can throw in, not only our devotion and our desire, but our dependence tying into what Yaku shared for him. Are we realizing more and more what John 5 says, that Jesus, John 15, Jesus, without you, I can do nothing. I can do nothing. I know I like to think I can, but as we grow in faith, we realize more and more, Jesus, I need you for every single breath of every single day. In Philippians, I preached about this at the start of the year when we were still in my, my garden. It's Paul speaking and he's towards the end of his life. And for me, that's one of the things that makes this even more powerful as a passage and more challenging as a passage. This is the great apostle Paul, who at this stage has already written most of the New Testament. It's not like he only met Jesus yesterday. He's already planted churches. He's already seen multitudes of people. He's seen people raised from the dead. He's seen miracles happen all over the place. This is a man who, by all accounts, already is a giant in the faith. And he says, I once thought these things, the natural things, were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And for his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. And here, verse 10, this is him towards the end of his life, having already accomplished all of these things. He says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection for, from the dead. His desire for Jesus is just growing. His desire for Jesus is greater at the end of his life than at the start of his walk with Jesus. And so I wonder, how is our desire for Christ growing? How do we measure this? Well, this is really easy. Fetch your diary. Yesterday, did I have a desire to spend time with God? I'm simplistic in this life, in this way. For me, if somebody wants to do something enough, then I'll find a way to do it. If I didn't do something, it's because I didn't want to do it. Predominantly in most things in life. If I really wanted to do something, I would have found a way to do it. And so if I really wanted to spend time with Jesus yesterday, guess what I would have done? I would have spent time with Jesus yesterday. If I really wanted to spend time worshiping yesterday, guess what? I would have spent time worshiping Jesus. If the desire was so strong enough in our, our Bible school, we had a great quote just recently that we looked at from C.S. Lewis. And I wish I had the whole quote here this morning. I, I don't, but I can paraphrase it. I love how he says, he, he says that for us as humans, 
The problem isn't that our desire is too strong. The problem is that our desire is too weak. Because if we desired the holiness, the goodness, the glory of God enough, if we had enough sufficient of a desire, then everything else would fade by the wayside. Our problem isn't that we desire stuff too strongly. Our problem is that we don't desire God sufficiently. And so one of the ways we know we're growing in faith, am I growing in my personal devotion to him, my desire for him, my dependence on him? Am I spending more time with him? Am I spending time with others in his presence? Am I hungry just for Jesus? The second way in which we can measure to some extent if I've just killed this thing. Problem with his touchscreen. Sometimes you push the wrong button and it all dies. Second way in which we can measure if we are growing in our faith is are our values being transformed? Are my priorities shifting? As I went into 2021, are the same things important to me as I went into 2021 as that are going to be when I go into 2022? Romans 12 tells us, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Are our values changing? The stuff that we deem important, is it changing? I remember when I was a student, the stuff that I valued and the stuff that I value now are light years apart. The stuff that I valued when I went to go and study and study specific course, etc., for very carnal reasons. I valued status and finance and the opinion of man and bank balances, net asset values. God has come and transformed so much. Obviously, there's a lot more transformation that needs to happen. But the stuff I value now is very different than the stuff I valued then. And so are our values changing? Are we being transformed in the way that we think? Are we growing to love serving? When I was an 18-year-old, I did not love serving. It didn't come naturally. It wasn't something that was the highlight of my day. I can't wait to go and serve somebody else. Wasn't me as an 18-year-old. Definitely not. But God comes and little by little, he changes that. He grows that. He creates in us a love because Jesus said he came to serve. So we must be like him. We must find ways to serve others. And that becomes something I've learned to value far from perfect. But servitude has become an important value in my life going to touch on this in a moment, but have we learned to embrace suffering? When suffering happens, do we say what scripture says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials? Various trials come. Do we go, yes, thank you, Jesus. I get to celebrate. Because this trial means I get to grow. The testing of your faith produces, and it lists a number of things, not going to get into detail, but then it ends with them. It says, so that you may be perfect and complete. That's what these trials come and they build. Do we embrace suffering? What is important to you? Are we going in with the same wish list into 2022 as into 2021? Or has the Holy Spirit shifted some of what we think? (laughs) I love, I think it's Tim Keller who says, if your God never disagrees with you, then you are only worshiping an idealized version of yourself. If your God never disagrees with you. In other words, if we're never praying and what I'm wanting and what God is saying is different, then I'm probably not worshiping God. If God agrees with everything I think and everything I say, that's probably because I am that God. And so if I'm walking with a God who challenges me at times, Hopefully that means I'm going to change and I'm going to be transformed. I'm going to realize that I'm wrong in areas of my life and I need to grow and I need to learn what it means to put kingdom first. I love the shofar band song that we've been singing a bunch of times. And I don't know if we've sung it in the morning service yet, but kind of hopefully you've been singing it at home. And if you haven't yet, go and listen to it on YouTube or um, 
Apple or whatever your, your music, your favorite platform of choices. But let your kingdom come. Are we growing and praying that and saying, God, we want to see your kingdom first above everything else. God, your kingdom being established transcends everything else in my life. Are we growing in a desire for the kingdom of God to come to pass? So that's the second one is, are we, are values being transformed? You know, one of the great things around these, I want to encourage you to do it, is to go and sit with somebody who knows you. To ask them. To say, if you look at my values, do you perceive that my values are growing and changing? It's very easy for us to be dishonest with ourselves. We like the answers we give to ourselves most of the time. But do we have, if we have somebody who can be honest with us, who can love us enough to be honest enough with us, that we can ask them questions and they can say, yes, in these areas, your values have definitely changed. But I think in these areas, your, your values perhaps have even regressed. Somebody who can be honest, who can encourage us, who can help us to find a way to benchmark, are we growing in faith? Flowing out of our changed beliefs, our changed transformed values, is our behavior changing? Is the outward manifestation of who I am looking different? You know, it's very easy for me quietly in my inner room to say, I believe that family is important. I believe that fidelity is important. I believe that integrity is important and honesty is important. It's great saying that. And then I can step out and live totally different. Just because I believe something doesn't necessarily mean my behavior is going to line up with my belief. And so what God comes is he works about a, a change in our transformation. Can I give you an example of this? Peter, we love laughing at Peter, but I, the more I learn about Peter, the more I realize that I'm probably not too different from him. He is the first man in scripture to say that Jesus, you are the son of the living God. Jesus looks at him and says, well done, because not well done, but you know, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you. This isn't some person who's told you, but my father who is in heaven. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Peter believes that. A short while later, Jesus gets arrested. And what does Peter say? I have no idea who this person is. His behavior and his actions don't line up in that moment. Sorry, his belief and his behavior don't line up in that moment. And so as our, our values are being transformed, one way in which we can gauge, oh, we're growing in faith, is my behavior changing? Matthew 3 tells us, prove by the way you live that you have repented and turned to God. Prove by the way you live. Let your actions testify to the fact that you are changing not only how you believe, but changing who you are. I love this wording here. We have repented of your sins. And often in church, we love for some reason focusing on that. We hate focusing on it, but we love it at the same time. It's one of those weird things in church life. We love talking about our sin and our failures. And we must turn away from our sin definitely, but repented of your sins, turned away from your sin. But that's not the focus. The focus is we have turned to God. Turn to God. So it's not only about is my behavior less sinful? No, the question is, is my behavior more holy, more separated for God, more godlike? Am I more committed to seeing the kingdom of God established? Am I more committed in all of this? Am I actually living the commitments in my heart? We'll touch on one or two of those in a moment. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 encourages us even more. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, see, it's not only identifying a bunch of sin and making sure we turn away from them. No, it's identifying Christ and making sure we turn to him. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away for the Lord is the spirit. And wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so all of us that have had that veil removed, can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. So our values are being transformed and our behavior is changing. 
And here, once again, somebody who knows you well, who can look into your life, can ask you, is my behavior changing? Do I act more like what we think Jesus would act like than I would six months ago? You saw me in that situation at work six months ago. I don't think I covered myself in glory. I had a similar situation last week. Do you see that I have grown in my behavior? Can you testify? Are you able, I love how it says, prove by the way you live. In other words, let other people see. Sometimes we can see it ourselves, but it's just so encouraging as well when other people are, who love us, who are committed to our growth, are able to help us grow. So we've seen that our devotion, our desire, our dependency on Christ, that's grown. We're seeing that our values are being transformed. Our behavior is changing. And then because our, value, our values are, change, are being transformed and our behavior is changing, we're beginning to make God-glorifying, self-sacrificing decisions. I love when we see young people come to the faith. I love it. I love seeing just the energy and the joy and the excitement. What I love just... What really gets my heart going is when you begin to see these young people who've just recently turned to Christ begin to make God-glorifying, self-sacrificing decisions. In other words, when they begin to make decisions that cost them a little bit. It's easy to make a God-glorifying decision. It's easy to, make a, to have a value change. It's easy to be, change behavior when I can see what's in it for me. It's a lot harder when there's nothing obviously in it for me. I'm reminded many years ago, Peter Pollock, great evangelist, was also a fantastic cricketer and a chairman of the South African Cricket Selectors. And he came and ministered. And he told us about a meeting in which he sat with a whole bunch of the cricket players and the, the, the Protea squad at the time. And they were doing contract negotiations and had a couple of sticky points. And one of the players put up his hand like this. And I said, what are you doing? He said, no, it's a five-fingered salute. I was kind of, obviously, these are young kids. Most international cricketers largely still are. So Peter Pollock and the guys ask him, what do you mean? You've got to explain this to us. He goes, no, it's simple. What's in it for me? At the end of the day, in the contract negotiation, that's my question. What's in it for me? And as we come to Christ, let's all be honest, we come to Christ initially because of what's in it for me. We come to Christ because he washes my sin away. He redeems me. He saves me. I'm in some form of trouble, whatever it may be. I need Jesus to put me back together. But something beautiful happens in our faith when it transitions from that and we begin to embrace Matthew 16, which, where Jesus says to his disciples, if, thank you, it is beautiful. Yeah. If any of you, where we know, if any of you wants to be my follower, and I guess that applies to you and me today as well, do we want to be his follower? You must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. I see God glorifying, self-sacrificing decisions right there. Give up your own way, self-sacrificing. Let's not do it our my way. You know, sometimes in church today, we've kind of changed this mantra. You know, Jesus says to us, give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. And we kind of think we must you know, take up our own way, take up our dreams, you know, and follow our desires. And yes, God does give us the desires of our heart. But what's also true is we follow him. And as we follow him, we realize that there are difficult decisions we make along the way. God glorifying, self-sacrificing decisions. Am I growing in my obedience to Christ? In other words, when I read scripture, when I'm convicted about a truth in scripture, and Yaku challenged us about that today. When I'm convicted about a truth in scripture, do I say, okay, God, I'm willing to change. God, I always thought that was right, but your word clearly shows me that's wrong, so I must change. Am I willing to make self-sacrificing decisions as I follow Christ? Am I willing to obey, to follow him with an authentic heart, a pure heart? Jesus 
Would you search my heart? The passage was that came earlier and see if there's a wicked way within me is a different translation. I know the answer to that is yes in my life. And the implication is come and show me the wicked way. Purge me and cleanse me with hyssop. Wash me, change me. Because I want to make self-sacrificing decisions. And so is my faith growing? Well, how easy is it for me to make faith self-sacrificing decisions? At the start, it's hard to make the smallest self-sacrificing decision. As we grow in our faith, it becomes easier because our image and our view of God becomes bigger. The fifth way, and these aren't exhaustive. There are probably a whole bunch of other ways we can also measure if we are growing in faith. These are just some ways that we can get started. And the chances are, if you're growing in these, you're probably growing in the others too. The fifth one, simple one. Am I growing in love for other people? By this, all will know that you are my disciples. Jesus tells us in John 13, if you have love for one another. Do you love other people? Do you have grace for other people? Are you willing to slow down and spend time with other people? Do you? And for me, this is sort of the central bit about love. Love for me isn't so much the emotion and the affection. It's all, it's all of a part of it. But at the root of it is a simple question. Do I want the best for other people? For me, that's what love comes down to. When I say I love my daughters, what do I mean? I mean, I want the best for my kids. And I love them enough that I'm willing to sacrifice to give them the best. I'm willing to esteem them higher and better than myself. Do I love my neighbor? Well, do I really want the best for, what my, neighbor, for, my, for my neighbor? Denver's my neighbor. Uh, I need to love my neighbor. Do I love my neighbor? It's one thing I want okay for my neighbor, but I want better for me. But am I willing to grow and does God work in me faith where I can look at my neighbor and I say, you know what? In my heart of hearts, I want the best for you more than I want the best for me. As a matter of fact, because I want the best for you, I'm willing to make a self-sacrificing decision. It's going to cost me something to give the best for you. Isn't that exactly what Jesus did when he came to die on the cross? He did not choose what was the best for him. He chose what is the best for us. He came to demonstrate his love for us by giving up his life. Do we love one another? Are we growing in our love for one another? Am I looking at my neighbor, my colleague, my family member, whatever it may be, my spouse, my children, the people around me at the start of 2022 do I genuinely want more for them, better for them than I did at 2021? Am I growing in faith? See, if I'm growing in faith, I'll be growing in love for the people around us. And then the last one, tying into Anton's point. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. And this is a really easy scripture to remember. 1, 2, 3, 4. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Before that, it says we must pray for everybody. We should be praying for kings, for leaders, for all other people around us. This is good and it pleases God our Savior. What pleases God our Savior? When we're praying for all of the people around us. Why? Because he wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. If I'm growing in faith. One of the ways I can measure that is, am I growing in a desire to see the lost reached? Do I... Am I more hungry to see people come to Christ? I remember one of my, I think it was one of my first Facebook posts or whatever. I remember posting this one liner and it stuck with me. It's one of those things that kind of just stirred in my heart and it stuck with me ever since. Sometimes we think that the person who really loves seeing people get saved is an evangelist. We look at people and they're evangelists. We say, why are they evangelists? Because they love people getting saved. What I posted there was, it is not the evangelist who delights in people getting saved. It is the Christian. If we love seeing people come to Christ, it's not because necessarily we're evangelists. We might be an evangelist, but it's because we're a Christian. Christians should love other people come to know Christ. 
The evangelist is gifted and called in a specific way to bring the good news. But every one of us as Christians, it should be right at the center of who we are. Just because we love people, because we want the best for them, because we ourselves have seen Jesus and we know the best for anybody is Jesus. We should love seeing people come to Christ. Am I growing in faith? Or do I have a greater desire for people to come to Christ? Is my desire for the lost, for the broken, for the hurting people to meet Jesus getting bigger? Am I willing to sacrifice and give more toward that cause? More of my time, more of my energy, perhaps more of my finance. Go on more mission. The idea here isn't more, more, more just so that we can be used and consumed. But is this thing in our heart, in my desire, am I growing in my, I want to see people come to Christ. It's a great way in which we can measure. Some of us, we're sitting here and as I'm speaking, I know you're convicted, your heart isn't really there. And that's okay. All of these things, you know what I love about all of these things? Not one of these things is God going to look at you and me and say, you're a loser because you can't get that right. But every one of these things, we can go to him and we can say, God, I want to grow in faith. God, I want to begin to see my faith show, manifest in this area. God, right now, I don't love my neighbor. God, I'm not even going to hide from that because you know it better than I know it, God. There's no point in lying to you, but Jesus, will you change my heart? Would you show me how I can love my neighbor? Jesus, right now, I don't have a desire for you or for your presence. God, I know that you are the son of the living God, but I don't have a desire for your presence and to be with you. God, can you come and change and transform that? And you know, when we in humility come to God, he answers those prayers so beautifully. And our hearts are malleable before, before him. He changes us. He transforms us. He does that. So every one of these, don't feel like a failure if there's something that you realize you need to still grow in. This, your faith perhaps is growing, but it isn't manifesting in this area as yet. Great prayer point to go to God and say, God, I want to pray in this area. And specifically, just around the last point, on the table there, we've got a whole bunch of cards. We've got sort of orange cards that say hello, which you can just use as just if you want to invite some people to church. It's just a little business card just for a church invite, which you can use. But more importantly, what I'm actually wanting to tell you about is there's another little card there, which is for you. You don't have to ever give it to anybody else. And on it, there's a space where you can write a couple of names down of people that you want to pray for. I know for me, I need to be reminded sometimes. My day gets busy. And so you take a little card like that and you put it in your wallet or on the back of your cell phone or on your computer or your car's dashboard or somewhere where you're going to see it often. You just say, God, every time I see this card, I want to pray for somebody on this card. I want to pray for somebody. This is just a reminder. Something else we used to do when we were students, a pastor at the time gave us an idea. Has anybody ever put an elastic band around your arm? Like a proper elastic band, not these nice things with writing and not a bracelet, an elastic band. And it rips the little arm ears and it's irritating and it's, it's not the most convenient thing to put on your arm just as an accessory. We put elastic bands on our arms. And the idea was everything that time irritate, the thing irritates you, just stop for a moment and pray. Pray for someone. Pray for God's purpose to come to, play, to pass. So a whole bunch of us students walking around on campus with elastics on our arms. And the elastic gets caught on stuff because it's sticky and it's in the way and it tears, pulls the little arm hairs, fortunately not enough to be sore, but just enough to prime me to say, hey, why don't I take a moment and pray? It's not the elastic that's special or magic. My heart is I want to pray. That's just a tool to help me, just to remind me to pray more. And so we've got those little cards there that you can use just as a tool, perhaps, to help you to pray for some other people. Can we stand together? We're going to pray. And my prayer is simple, that our faith would grow abundantly. That some of these things that I've mentioned, that we would use them to help us grow in faith. That we would use them to 
be able to measure, am I growing? Am I actually growing or am I deceiving myself? Do I think I am living this great Christian life, but none of these things are actually changing in my life? Because if they aren't, then perhaps I need to reevaluate whether I'm truly actually growing. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I want to just thank you this morning that as we can be here, that your grace is sufficient, Lord. That this morning we are here because we are dependent on you, Lord. That any area in our life we have ever grown, Lord, is because of your grace upon us. Thank you for that, Lord. Every area we will ever grow is because of your grace. So God, we come this morning and we ask that you would pour grace upon our lives, God. That our faith may grow. In Jesus' name. Show us, Lord, to increase our faith. And as our faith grows, Lord, we pray, we ask that not only would our faith grow, God, but the outflow of our faith would be so much stronger, God, that we would live as those who have been transformed by Christ. That our desire, our dependence upon you, Lord, our hunger for you, God, may that just ever more increase, Lord. God, would you come and transform our values, make the things that are important to you important to us, Lord. Would you give us the strength that our behaviors would change, Lord, that we would not act as the world does, but we would act as your children does, that we would not walk in the way of unbelievers, but we would walk as believers, Lord, salt and light to this world. God, we pray that our hearts, our desire to see the lost come to faith would grow, God, that we would pray for people more, Lord Jesus. God, that we would love our neighbor, that we would love one another more, God, that you would pour grace of love into our hearts, that you would pour your love upon us in Jesus' name, Lord. We bring all of these areas before you, Lord. God, and we pray for grace. God, that we would make God-glorifying, self-sacrificing decisions, Lord, not just self-sacrificing for the sake of it, Lord, but sacrificing because it's glorifying you. And our desire for your name, for your renown, for your glory would be so strong upon us, Lord. If the Lord stirred in your heart a specific way, area, something that you just know that you want to bring before Him, I want to give you a moment right there where you're standing right now. Don't you want to bring that area before God? Say, God, this area, would you pour grace upon it, Lord Jesus? God, that you made a way. Teach me to walk in the way that you have made already, God. That it's not by might, it's not by power, it's by your spirit, Lord. That we are not saved by our works, but through faith, Lord. And so in simplicity of faith, we just come and we ask God, would you teach us your ways, Lord? the Lord has been ministering to some of us this morning even through Yaku and Anton and Tani Ida's message and Luan as they're just encouraging us in the word if God's been speaking to you this morning and you know that you need somebody just to pray with you how do you know because it's bugging you right now and, and you know this is you're wrestling with it and you need somebody just to agree with you in prayer can I just encourage you in that We're all like that. We all think we can do it by ourselves. The whole point of coming to Christ is we can't. And we think we can go out of here and sort it out later. The point is we can't sort it out. Because if we're honest, if we could have sorted it out, we would have sorted it out already. And we come to Christ and we ask Him to sort it out. So I want to say, if that is you, please don't leave this morning without having somebody pray with you. We would love to pray with you. You can, in just a moment, step forward and our team will be here to pray with you. There's coffee and tea, as I said, sort of in the, the area on that side. You're welcome to have, hang around, have some coffee and tea. Can I leave one challenge with us apart from everything else that God has done? Maybe a Philip challenge. I hope the Holy Spirit is in this too. 
before you go home today, can you spend time talking to at least two people that you don't know well? Even if it's just a, hi, how are you? How was your week? Just connect with somebody who you wouldn't normally connect with during the week. If we could do that, I think that would just help us also to grow even more. So thank you for your time. God bless you. Have a phenomenal week. And if you have prayer need, please step forward. We'd love to pray with you. Don't leave without having somebody pray with you this morning. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Christian Church. We believe that you enjoyed your time with us, establishing God's kingdom and His glory in your life. For more info, call us on 012-362-1363. Email us, pretoria at shofaronline.org. Browse our website, www.shofaronline.org. Or like us on facebook.com forward slash Pretoria.